Okay, um, so if you don't know me, uh, my name is Zach, uh, Zach Roland. Um, I've been going to church here since I was little, grew up in this church, um, then uh, kind of moved away for a while, went to uh, AM, then moved to Austin for a little while, and uh, just recently came back and started trying my best to serve here in this community, um, in this church. Um, and I'm really grateful, really honored to have this opportunity to uh, practice the preaching craft today. Um, it's, uh, it's been a, a learning experience, um, and I want to thank Matt for that. Um, so up to this week, uh, to kind of preface this passage, uh, we've been going through Book of Mark. Uh, most recently... Jesus has been dealing with the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes. Um, there was a question that was posed to Jesus by the scribes about taxes. Uh, the Pharisees are basically hoping to catch Jesus in a, in a trap that would get him in trouble with the Romans. Um, they're just trying their best to get rid of him, and they're trying their best to uh, catch him in some type of fallacy. Uh, which has not turned out well for them up to this point. So there's the question of taxes that Jesus answers. Uh, then the Sadducees next had a question to Jesus about the resurrection. Sadducees don't believe in the resurrection. Um, so they ask him this long, drawn-out question, and Jesus kind of cuts to the heart of the matter and sends them on their way. Uh, the next section was the Great Commandment, where Jesus is asked, what is the greatest commandment of all? What is the thing that God values most? Um, and in this section, we actually see a scribe who is not too far from the heart of God, um, as Jesus reveals. The next section has to do with um, David and Jesus and the relationship of Jesus as the son of David. And then we get to where we are today. Um, so we're in Mark chapter 12. Verse 38, we'll pick up in the section that's probably titled, Beware of the Scribes. Um, and just to preface this, I, I like this segment, and I kind of begged Matt to let me do verses 38 through 40, because I, I really like the message here, and I think it's something that's very applicable today. It's as applicable, applicable today as it was when Jesus taught. So he's speaking to everyone in the temple right now. And in verse 38, Jesus says, And in his teaching, he said, Beware of the scribes who like to walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces and have the best seats in the synagogues and places of honor at feasts, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. They will receive the greater condemnation. So kind of what Jesus is getting at here is he's, he's speaking about false teachers. Um, in Matthew 23, Jesus refers to these people as blind guides. Uh, he's talking about the scribes. He says, beware of the scribes who walk around in long robes and like greetings in the marketplaces. What he's referring to here is you would have scribes who would wear very long robes that would kind of flow on the ground. They'd have these large blue tassels that kind of signify their role as a priest. And um, wearing a robe was kind of a symbol that you weren't going to work 
right? So if you're wearing a long robe, everybody's gonna know that you're not gonna be out plowing a field, you're not gonna be out fishing, you're not gonna be out really doing any physical labor. Um, the robe was a symbol, just like the tassels, that these guys were above the everyday uh, activities of the common person of the plebeian. Um, and Jesus also says that they like greetings in the marketplace. So what he's talking about is they would, they would basically go to the marketplace, the busiest part of the city, the center of the city, busiest part of town, and they would gather there and kind of glad hand each other, pat each other on the back, and just uh, as another way of them showing that, you know, that here we are, here we are the elites, kind of above the rest of you guys. That's really their whole purpose. Um, Jesus says that these guys would have the best seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at feasts. So in the synagogue and the temple, you would have seats up near the front. You would have a chest that would have the scriptures, tablets, scrolls, all of your you know, holy writings. Um, and these guys would want to be sitting right by that chest. They'd want to be in the front and center. They'd want to be in front of everybody. They'd want to be seen. That's their whole purpose. That's the purpose of the robes. That's the purpose of the greetings. That's the purpose of sitting at the head table of a feast or at the front of the synagogue. They, their lives and their worship were really revolving around themselves. And um, that you see that today even. Uh, he, Jesus goes on to say that these guys devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers. Um, what he's talking about is back in those days, scribes would kind of be the they were the center of the community. They were everything. They were the lawyers. They were the worship leaders. They were the thought leaders. Um, they would probably pre preside over arbitrations if anybody had a dispute. These guys were everything to the community. And so when you'd have a widow whose wife would die or whose husband would die and she's left alone, her husband's probably set her up with a legacy, with money, with something to carry her through the rest of her life. And the scribes would um, naturally take over as, you know, their kind of power of attorney is what it, you would equate it to nowadays, or their financial um, leader. And it's, it's not like today where most women have a degree of, you know, financial independence or financial knowledge. Back then, uh, it, was, it was pretty much the man's job in the household. Uh, to take care of all the financial matters. So when the man was gone, the priest would step in or the uh, scribe would step in and kind of take over his spot. And so what these guys would do is they would whisper in the widow's ear, you know, or they would you know, basically tell her that the, her best use of money would be to kind of fund their ministry. And it's something we have today. I don't, I don't know a lot of names, but uh, you know, somebody who comes to mind would be like a, the Kenneth Copeland type that's flying around in a jet, and um, that, that's where they get their money. They, they tell people that you know, the best use of your money is to give it to God and specifically to their ministry, and uh, they'll often promise something. They'll promise favor from God in exchange, and it's, it's a pretty nefarious, um, pretty nefarious tactic, and it, it um, does exactly what Jesus said. It 
devours widows' households. It um, sends a lot of people into destitute living. Um, so that's, that's what Jesus is getting at here. He's talking about these false preachers, these blind guides, and he's warning against these people. And he's saying, in closing, he says, they will receive the greater condemnation. And specifically what he's talking about is, you know, if you have a child that, um, I don't know, you have a three-year-old, four-year-old that's messing around in the living room, screws up settings on the TV or breaks something, you're not going to be particularly angry because you know that it was, it was done out of negligence or, or innocence or... Um, naivety, not knowing what's right and what's wrong. But if you have a teenager who walks in and does the same thing, then that's a different story. Uh, they're probably going to be in a bit of trouble. So that's what Jesus is saying. He's saying you know, these guys know the difference between, the right, between right and wrong. They know where God's heart is. They know what God desires. They know what's right. And they go against this. And they're living for themselves rather than living for God. Uh, and so this, what we see in this first passage is basically an example of how not to be. How not to live your life uh, for yourself, um, which is what the scribes are doing. They, everything they do is for their own glory. Uh, the Bible says that what they do is for filthy lucre's sake. They're basically living ostensibly for God, but really their intent is to enrich themselves. And... Um, we kind of transition from this section into a segment about someone who is living not for themselves, someone who gives for God's glory. Uh, moving on to verse 41, Jesus starts talking to his disciples specifically. He's done talking to the crowd, and when he's pointing out this next section, he's talking specifically to his, to his disciples. Verse 41 says, and he sat down opposite the treasury and watched the people putting money into the offering box. Many rich people put in large sums, and a poor widow came and put in two small copper coins, which make a penny. And he called his disciples to him and said to them, Truly, I say to you, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing to the offering box. For they all contributed out of their abundance, but she, out of her poverty, has put in everything she had all she had to live on. So Jesus first points out the rich people who put in large sums. Um, back, in that, back in that day, the offering box was not discreet. It was not a box with a slit in the top and felt in the bottom so that when you drop something in, nobody knows what you put in. Nobody knows you know, how much it was. Back then, the offering boxes in the temple were more of a trumpet shape. It was purely metallic. All the money back then was coins. They didn't have checks that you could fold. They didn't have credit cards. They didn't have online giving. It was all done directly at the temple. So when a rich person walks up to give an offering, they probably have a fistful of coins or a sack that they're going to dump in, and it's going to make a ton of racket. And the purpose of this is basically, you know, to be seen. It's a competition. It's... Um, it's basically done so that everybody will look. When you drop in money, it's going to make a racket. Everybody's going to look. Everybody's going to see you, and they're going to see that you gave, or hear that you gave a large amount of money. 
So you have these rich people going up, dropping in a large amount of coins. And Jesus is not saying this is bad. He's not condemning these people. He's really using them to juxtaposition the next person that comes up. And that's the widow. So next you have the widow who comes up and she drops in you know, two small coins. And if it made any noise, it wasn't much. This, this widow is probably hoping that nobody sees her give. She's really probably hoping that she can give and get out of the way before anybody knows she was there. Her whole purpose is to give to God, not to be seen. And so Jesus calls his disciples to him and he says, you know, this poor widow has put in more than all those who are contributing. What he's saying is that her gift relative to the rich person's gift, the rich person gives out of their abundance, but this widow is giving all that she has. So in God's eyes, this is a greater gift. You know, this is not, it's not a menial gift, even though to the rich person or the common person it might not seem like much. And really what he's getting at is that God sees how much our gift give or our gift means to us as opposed to, you know, what it might mean to someone else. When you're giving, you don't worry about how much you're giving. You don't worry about what it might mean to someone else. It really means to you. This widow is, is doing two things that, that are praised by God. You know, if, if you're wondering how you can be assured that your gift or your offering, whatever your service, whatever it is you're giving to God, if you're worried about how it can be significant to God, you know, how, how you can be assured that God has seen your gift as significant. There's two things, really. One, the, wi- the widow is giving humbly. So she's giving in secret, really. She's trying to give in a way that nobody else sees but God. So she's giving humbly, and she's giving sacrificially. She... Um, we know that this gift, Jesus, sees, Jesus has insight. He sees that this is all that she has. You know, Jesus points out that this widow is not going to be able to eat again until God takes care of her or until she gets another two coins from somewhere. Um, and, and I just want to point out that that's not, I don't think this is the point of this passage. I don't think anywhere in the Bible that it says to give, you know, go to church, Give, take a vow of poverty, and then go home and starve. That's not the point here. The point is that this widow knows that she has given. That when we give, we give to an extent that we feel it. I think that's what's important to God. Is that, you know, these rich people are giving out of their abundance. And they're giving a lot. But they're probably not, they probably walk away. And the next day, they couldn't tell you how much they gave. They don't remember because it wasn't a menial amount to them. But the widow is giving sacrificially. She's going to feel her gift, you know. She knows that she's given. And it's, it's going to affect her life in some way. But also, not only that, she's, she's depending on God. Her gift shows reliance on God in some manner. And I think that's what, you know, Jesus is getting at. 
that we give sacrificially, we give humbly. And the scribes, the section on the scribes is basically the, the opposite of what, of what the widow is doing. You have the scribes who think they're high and mighty, they think they're great, and uh, they take all the honor and glory for themselves. And then you have the widow who is doing the exact opposite. She's trying not to get glory for herself, and she's trying only to give humbly and sacrificially to God because she knows, as we should know, that God can do more with our gifts than we would be able to do. And so as, you know, the offering plate's already gone by today. We're not, don't, don't worry about this message applying for you today. I want you to take this forward. I mean, I'm sure Matt would not, not be angry if, if you came to him with a check after the service. Yeah, we'll be in the back. But, but really, guys, I just, you know, the reason I was excited to give this, to, to speak on this section was because it's, it's very applicable today. Um, just don't worry about the exact amount of your gift or what exactly you're doing for God. Instead, be humble. And that's kind of hard to do today with social media. It's easy to go on a mission trip or go out and do something and then blast it out to all your Facebook people. But, I mean, I'm not saying that's bad. Just, just be humble. Make sure that your heart is in the right place when you're giving or you're serving. And give to an extent that you'll be reliant on God, at least in some way. Um, that's, that's really um, something that I have to learn myself, too. It's, I'm not immune to this. It's, it's been a great lesson for me having to study this passage. Um, but that's, that's what we need to take forward um, in our lives. Anytime we serve, anytime we give, do it with a spirit of humility and sacrifice.